My name is Mandy Jackson Beverly, and I'm a bibliophile. Welcome to the Bookshop Podcast. Today, I'm in Iowa City, home of the Iowa Writers' Workshop at the University of Iowa. This is episode number 61. Jan Weissmiller has long been on the staff of Prairie Lights Books, where she is the poetry buyer and arranges poetry readings for the Live from Prairie Lights series. She received her MFA from the University of Iowa Writers' Workshop, teaches at the Iowa Summer Writing Festival, occasionally reviews poetry for the Boston Review, and was awarded the Lois Hills Poetry Award for her collection, In Divided Light. Hi, Jan, and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. And I'm excited to have you here because Prairie Lights is quite a legend in the indie bookshop world, and it looks like you're in the store now. Yeah, I I love being in the store. Well, let's jump right in because I have quite a few questions for you. In an article for Poets and Writers, 50 and Ford, dated 5-1-2012, you wrote about Iowa City. Beginning with your arrival as an undergraduate transfer student in the fall of 1977, when you came to the University of Iowa to complete a BA in history, can you walk us through that time and how you ended up with a BA in history and English? (laughs) Well, I I don't know if I told, I think it was in the article that I I came here because I had a history professor. I, I found Madison too big and I I was interested in Western European intellectual history, oddly, from the 19th century. And so he suggested that I study with this guy that was here named David Schoenbaum, who had written a book called Hitler's Social Revolution. That was sort of one of the first books that actually talked about what happened in Germany as being a product of the economy and the social, you know, rather than just sort of a moral failing, which it was also. But And so I came here to study with him, and I was on the steps of my advisor's office on the first day, and I met this woman who's a writer now named Alice Lichtenstein, and she was taking her junior year here instead of in Europe because of the writer's workshop. And she told me about the writer's workshop, and so I signed up for a poetry writing class because I did write poetry. And I got Jory Graham, who's now very famous, but was then a graduate student, and so I took sort of a life-changing class with Jory Graham in the fall of 1977 and continued taking my history classes and got a BA in history and English. But by the time I got that BA, I was more interested in getting an MFA in poetry than in getting a PhD in history. And here you are, a poet. I love it. And meeting that woman in front of your advisor's office is just one of like a series of synchronistic events in that particular part of your life. Can you share with us a story about how a graduation gift led you to Prairie Lights? Well, Jim Harris opened Prairie Lights in the, in the spring, May 13th of 1978. So that was just before I graduated, not too long before I graduated. And so a friend of mine, whose name I also remember, and who's also a poet named Marnie Hine, bought me a book there called Lucky Eyes and a High Heart, which was a biography of Maud Gone, which and Maud Gone was sort of the poet Yeats's great love. And so I came to the bookstore to pick up the book and Jim asked me if I wanted a job. And my plan was to get some poems, more poems in my manuscript so I could apply to MFA programs. And 
uh, and I figured I would need money to live on. And I had, I had waitressed in summers, actually made a lot of money one time in a rest one summer in a restaurant in Vermont. And so I thought, no, I'm going to probably work in a restaurant while I write. And, and, but he talked me into it. He talked me, he took me to coffee. He said, you know, the bookstore is the place to be. And he, he pretty much convinced me. And I started working there and I was the first full-time employee. The store was a thousand square feet and it was um, addictive. I'm addicted to being in bookstores. <laughs> this bookstore. <laughs> and that's a good thing. <laughs> and of course, it's no surprise that Prairie Lights is known for its well-curated poetry section, which I'm guessing is your baby. So can you tell us a little about this section, please? And especially how broad the poetry section is. Jim had actually done a pretty good job. I mean, he he had ordered the poetry for the initial store, and he knew that there were a lot of poets in Iowa City. All writers love bookstores. I, I think poets love bookstores more than, well, anyway, po- poets love bookstores, and not just for the poetry. They often read broadly. They often read philosophy and theology. The poetry, so the original poetry section in the first Prairie Lights was actually pretty good. So at that time, you were just nurturing the poetry section. Yeah, I was curating and shelving and ordering the poetry. And I pretty much have gone with the idea, and it's harder now than it, to, to order everything and because books are returnable and you can just make it available. And if it doesn't sell, send it back. That's harder to do now because there's so many small presses. It's hard to know about all the small presses. You really have to keep your ear to the ground. I have now, I definitely need young people I mean, I have other poets working here, young poets in the store, because I need help now in in maintaining the poetry section, keeping it relevant, not just what I read and have always read. Yeah, I've had some incredibly talented poets on the show. And there's one young lady in particular who really caught my uh, ear, I guess you would say, uh, her name is Jane Hartshorn, and she's from Scotland, but she lives in England. And she writes about illness, incredibly touching poetry. And I'll make sure to share her link in the show notes too, and the episode. But let's talk about the Iowa Writers Workshop, because this was the first creative writing program in the United States, which began in 1936. What can you tell us about the Iowa Writers Workshop? Well, it was started in 1936 by an Iowa native, a poet named Paul Engel that had won the Yale Younger Poetry Prize. And his original idea was that it would be sort of a place where slightly older poets and novelists, fiction writers could come to get some time away from whatever they were doing and in a community where they could write. In the 60s, it changed, and it's predominantly now young people that write out of college that, that come here and get MFAs. But the program is substantially, well, it's different in many ways, but the way in which it is similar is the way, is the pedagogy, the way that it's run, and the number of people there. They bring in 25 poets and 25 fiction writers every fall, and it's a two-year program, and the the classes are just workshop classes where you work on your own writing and um, seminars on poetry and fiction. And the faculty is wonderful. The faculty uh, has always been wonderful. And it it's a very small community, Iowa City. I mean, it's not even 100,000 people. And so I think that's one of the things that makes it really strong. You see, you see the other students everywhere. I mean, you have this very intense two-year experience with them because you're in class together, you're in the 
bookstores together, you're at readings together, you're at parties together, you're at bars together, you're never away from each other. You're so influenced by the writers that you're studying with and working with. It's, it's just a very intense thing. And there have been, as you know, many very successful writers that have come out of it. And a lot of them have hung out in your cafe, I believe, correct? <laughs> <laughs> I think I quoted, to, to, there was a, a brief article in Publishers Weekly where I quoted, I said that Brandon Taylor had written three stories in our cafe and they put in the article that he'd written 30, but he has written three and they're, they're amazing stories. <laughs> Gosh, three to 30 is a big difference. <laughs> but there's a history too, right? In the cafe, it was the original home of the Iowa City's Literary Club and the Times Club in the 1930s, right? Oh, yeah. The cafe is in a space that's actually upstairs from the building adjacent to Prairie Lights. The Prairie Lights building is 10,000 square feet. And then Jim knocked the wall out between the upstairs of Prairie Lights in this space because it had been because, well, it was right there and you could just knock the wall out and we opened the cafe, which is a thousand square feet there. But in that very space in the 1930s, Grant Wood, who was a painter, a fairly famous Midwestern painter from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, he started this literary salon in that very space. And he, he got professionals in the community, doctors and lawyers, to pay to bring people like Gertrude Stein and Robert Frost, Langston Hughes here to speak. And they and that's where they spoke. And then these other well-read professionals in town would come and have these salons with them. And that happened in the very space where our cafe is now. So did the literary club start around the same time as the Iowa Writers Workshop or was one a little earlier? Well, that's interesting. I don't really know what the connection to that is. I should try and see if I could find out. I, the literary salon was in the 30s and the workshop started in the 30s, but the workshop would have been part of the university. And the Times Club, is, which is what the literary salon was called, was sort of a town thing. It'd be interesting. I'm not sure how much the workshop interacted with that. It seems like one might have fed the other. <laughs> now, you published a poetry collection titled In Divided Light. Is there a recent poem of yours you'd like to read for us, please? Sure. This is probably the most recent poem that I've written, and it's called Not Quite Yet. I dreamt of a painting that was almost abstract, but not quite, like a cross between a Diebenkorn and a Bernard, I told John when he awakened me. And then I remembered I had seen a Bernard on the internet, almost wholly abstract, except for the two small dogs, empty avenue with dogs, it was called. But in the dream, it wasn't clear who had painted the painting. The palette was a quiet pastel, like summer dusk, and the shape, a distant lake, or so I thought. Color of time, lake in a dream, in the not yet infinite space of memory. Hmm. You paint with words. Jen, when you write poetry, does it come fairly naturally to you? Is it like a second language? The sounds do come naturally to me. I think that's a gift. And um, that poem is is not metered. That That's a free verse poem. Um, and sometimes when I write a draft, you write a draft and you feel that it needs to be formal. And so you do one I do, one puts it into some form. And that poem, I felt I just wanted the 
I wanted the sounds to resonate outside of a particular form. The 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 title and the beginning, which is the not quite, and the end, which is the not yet, were the sort of formal constraints of that poem. Yeah, but I don't know what to say about the the language of poetry being a language of its own. It's I suppose so. It's like it's it's like a combination. It's like music. Yes, poetry has cadence, tone. And it can be legato or staccato and everything in between. And when I hear someone say, oh, I don't really read poetry, I encourage them to think of poetry like a painting. If they're in a museum or an art gallery looking at paintings, they may not like every piece, but there's probably one painting that attracts them enough that they want to take a second look. And really, that's how I think of all forms of art, particularly writing. You've got to find the one piece. It might be one poem in a book of poetry or a short story or one novel by an author that calls to you. And that's how I, I think of poetry. No, I think you're really right. And I think people are afraid that there's some right way to read poetry. And so they they separate the experience from their emotions. And so what I always say to people is just read it and whatever you feel, whatever you feel that it means is what it means. It's like looking at abstract painting. It means whatever it makes you feel and then read it again and it will mean more. And that's what poetry is. Yes. And let's talk about the Iowa City community, your local customers and visiting and resident writers. So the community is is small enough that, that people interact with each other here, you know, across disciplines in a way that maybe they wouldn't other places like doctors and lawyers and scientists and writers all see each other. Sort of like I was saying about the students in the workshop, they see each other at the same sports events or the same restaurants or the same parties and they talk to each other. And so they feed each other. And those kinds of conversations happen in the bookstore, which is really great. And Iowa City is a UNESCO city of literature. Is that right? And do you know when that happened? 2008, I think. I think it was 2008 that we were the third in the in the world, and now there are like 58 or something. It's, it's you know, it's really um, mushrooms since we became one. But there is also this international writing program here that was started in by the same guy who started the workshop. He broke off from the workshop in 1968 and started an international program. And so every fall, they bring in about 40 writers from all over the world writers that are, you know, relatively established, published writers in their own countries. And Prairie Lights has a reading series for them. We have a reading every Sunday afternoon for the international writers. And I think that was one of the, that was one of the reasons that we were named as a UNESCO city of literature, because we are a world literature center, as well as a national one. And of course, one of the most important facets of an indie bookshop are the booksellers. One woman, Mary Taft, who works in our, in our, kids' books that's, that's worked here almost as long as I have, since the ni- early 1980s. And uh, she's great. She's, um, she's raised two very creative children and knows just a huge amount about children's literature. And we also have a retired school librarian named Victoria Walton, who works down there too, who's also just excellent. But upstairs, I have Kathleen. She's our events coordinator and very, very funny. Well, she's very smart and she's very well read, but she's especially funny. And she's got a great sense of timing. And we really think that sometimes people come to see Kathleen as much as as they do well. I mean, obviously, she interacts with the writers in a a wonderful way. 
But I have people just tell me every time she does a reading, she's wonderful. She Isn't she wonderful? <laughs> she is. She's phenomenal. And then we have an actor named Tim Budd. He's opening a Shakespeare play later this week, The Winter's Tale. And so he's constantly in local theater, but he's a fantastic bookseller. His memory is, you know, I mean, he, he, he can pretty much repeat the whole plot of any book that he's reading. And he also knows where every book in the store is at all times. He, he does a lot of the shelving for us and the display and things are squirreled away. And, and so all I have to do is say, hey, Tim, there's three copies of Overstory here, but the computer says we have eight. And he knows where all the other five are, even if they're in four different locations. <laughs> well, that's handy. Very handy. And then I have Carl Caitlin, who ran a music store that went under when music all went to Spotify or whatever. And Carl's also fantastic. And he knows a huge amount about music, but he also knows from having run his own business, he does all the scheduling for us. And, you know, there's no way that that any bookstore could survive without a, a staff of great eccentric people. Yes. And the building of relationships between customer and bookseller. I think it's similar to how we build relationships as readers with the characters in a book. That's right. I think that is one of the reasons that it's addictive. I mean, because new things happen all the time. You can't predict who's going to walk in. You can't predict what they're going to say or what they've read or what they might want to read. And so it's just um, so much fun. It's it's so dynamic and fun. And, uh, you know, one of, one of our ex- employees, Liz Weiss, who's a graduate of the workshop, has a book coming out called The Sisters Suite in February that I'm reading right now. But in the acknowledgement, she thanks us at Prairie Lights, and she says it was the best job she ever had. And that's right. I mean, it's really hard to live on it, but it is probably everybody's favorite job that they've ever had. That's what I hear over and over again. Booksellers love their jobs. You spoke earlier about your events program, And Live at Prairie Lights, which was the collaboration between Dennis Reese of IPR and Paul Ingram, now retired, gave the store a national profile from 1990 to 2008. And I read about an event that you held at Hancher Auditorium for Bernie Sanders in, I think it was August 31st, 2017. At that event, you sold over a thousand books. Is that correct? 1,500 books, yeah. Bernie had come to uh, Prairie Lights in in the store in February of 2015 when he was just dipping his feet into the water trying to decide if he was actually going to run. The progressive Democrats had wanted him to come to Iowa City because the caucuses are here. The caucuses were the following spring. And we hosted him in Prairie Lights on a February night that it was below zero. And we'd had about three days to advertise it. And we had 150 people show up. And it was my first experience with him. And, um, you know, he's very real. Yeah. And he pushed a book called Our Revolution because his, you know, ideas, you, you keep it going at a grassroots level. We tried to figure out where we would have him and we decided we could host it at Hancher, which sees 1,500 people and that we would require you to buy a book to come. And we sold it out really pretty quickly. So we sold 1,500 books. I love to hear that. That's great. And Jan, what is one book you'd like to see more people reading? There's so many books. I mean, you know, I want people to read poetry, of course. And I think that they should start with the best, start at the top, you know, read Emily Dickinson and Yates. But I also love short stories. I was just talking to one of my customers yesterday about why people won't buy short stories. And and it is true. It's very hard. Every bookseller knows it's harder 
for the most part, to sell short stories than to sell novels. And um, I think Deborah Eisenberg was a sort of unequaled short story writer. And her most recent book is called Your Duck is My Duck. And it's fantastic, but her collected stories are fantastic too. And I can just read those over and over again. In fact, I know lines from them by heart. I mean, they occur to me in my life probably more than once a week. I mean, something happens that reminds me of something that happened in Deborah Eisenberg's story. So that's what I would say. And I, I, I do want to put in a plug for Brandon Taylor that I said had written three stories in our cafe because he's kind of, you know, he's, he's ascendant right now. And is Brandon in Iowa City? Yes, he is. And he he's the delight. Well, I'd love to have him on the show. That would be wonderful. Jan, thank you so much for being a guest today. I appreciate you taking the time to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Make sure to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mandy Jackson Beverly. To learn more about my workshops, my books, and my classes on Teachable, go to mandyjacksonbeverly.com. You can sign up for my newsletter or contact me directly at mandy at cricketpublishing.org. And if you'd like to buy me a coffee or help support the show, you can go to thebookshoppodcast.buzzsprout.com, click on the orange heart at the top right-hand side of the page, and you can donate using PayPal. And remember, buy local, read global, support your local indie bookshop. See you next time.